Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you. And now let us begin. I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I hope it's treating you well so far. Uh, If you haven't caught up on it right now, I am a little bit under the weather, have a little head cold. And so uh, I appreciate you uh, sticking with me during this time. Today, we're going to be talking about prayer. Prayer to God Almighty himself is one of the biggest privileges we as Christians have. And all prayer truly is, is talking with God. And the amazing thing is that through his son, Jesus Christ, we have direct access to God the Father. I mean, seriously, wow. So to understand the purpose of prayer, it is important that we first understand what prayer is not. There are many wrong views in the world and culture about prayer, even among Christians, and these should be addressed first. So prayer is not the following, bargaining with God, making demands of God, only asking God for things, a therapeutic meditation type of exercise, bothering God and taking up his time, a way to control the Lord, a way to show off one's spirituality before others. So that is what prayer is not. And if you're like me, when you heard all those things, red flags are going off. And that's exactly right. Prayer is far deeper than merely asking God for the things that we want, treating him merely as a means to your own end. He is not a magic genie who grants you wishes at your heart's desires. While supplication is a part of prayer, it cannot be the end all be all of our prayer life. As a matter of fact, in 1 John 5.14, says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So what does this mean? It's a pretty familiar scripture. This means that we ought to pray according to the will of God. So, Asking for a vintage Ferrari, a large bank account, or any worldly thing that brings yourself glory rather than Christ should be the furthest thing from our minds and our prayers. So today, we're going to be looking in the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, verses 5 through 13. And we're going to look at one of the most well-known verses and pieces of scripture in the Bible regarding prayer. And that is the Lord's Prayer. So let's go ahead and turn there now. And we're going to read verses 5 through 13. It says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You might be really familiar with that passage of scripture. You might even visit a church that recited that prayer as a whole entire congregation. So let's go ahead and break this down because it's very important that we do so to see kind of the outline of how this passage of scripture teaches us how to pray. And before we really get into it, I'm going to just make this abundantly clear right now. The Lord's Prayer is not to be recited verbatim. And it's not meant to be done in such a way that it becomes a ritual. Jesus didn't say, when you pray, always pray like this. He actually says that you need to pray in this way. So he is giving us the model of how to pray. So verse 5, as we go back and break this down, says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. So prayer is not to be done for public displays of our super spirituality. Being witnessed by people is a reward for the one who prays with the motive of public praise. So if you're praying in public and you want your words to be heard by people and there's nothing deep about your prayer life of just looking for the reward of many people, maybe you're a great speaker. Maybe you're an eloquent speaker and you can articulate certain things that just sound really pleasing to the ear. And if your motive for prayer is not to get closer with God, then the praise of men will be your reward. Let's go down to verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, this is the way we ought to pray. I'm not, and here's the thing, in verse 5, I'm not saying that you can't pray in public. Because I've seen many people who have really good hearts for the Lord praying in public, in a public setting. So there's nothing wrong with it if your motives are clear and they're for the Lord. But in verse 6, this is absolutely how you should do it. If you read the New Testament at all, especially the Gospels, you will see Jesus many times going off by himself and praying. You know, he's not going off by himself to de-stress and detox and all these other things that we do nowadays. I have to de-stress 
And I have to do this or I have to do that to let my anxiety levels go out, go out the window and let them go free. That's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus's strength came from his father. So what did he do? He went to go pray. Now, Jesus is the holy, sinless son of God. So did he have to pray? Yes, because he was in communion with God. And that's what we need to do. Instead of going on these 12-step programs, instead of reading these self-help books, we need to go to God the Father through the Son in prayer. And the Holy Spirit will help our prayers be made known and be made right before God. We'll get into that later. But I'm kind of going off a little bit of a tangent here because I see this as a problem. And mental health has become such a major issue. It's a major issue in the Olympics. Uh, Olympus just finished. And mental health was a big part of that Tokyo Olympics. And so you have to understand that God gives us the peace that goes beyond all comprehension, all understanding. And he gives us a joy that can never be taken away. So we find that strength through the scriptures, through the trust and faith that there is a God, that his son, Jesus Christ, paid in full for our sins on the cross. And through his resurrection, we will rise again one day in paradise. That's where our hope is set in. And that's something that the world cannot offer. The world can offer you many fun and exciting things. You can bounce from one thing to the next. But what you will not find is that you will not find that you can talk to any celebrity you want and, ha and have them have you over for dinner. Let me pose this question to you. If your favorite celebrity, the person you look up to the most, now some people in this audience are a little bit older, so they're like, well, I don't really look up to anybody, but I want you to think of maybe when you were a kid, someone you, maybe it was a, a music singer, an athlete. Uh, in my day, it was a pro wrestler. But I want you to think about if you got a letter in the mail from that person inviting you over to their house because they want to get to know you better, how would you feel? I would venture to say we'd be ecstatic. You would clear everything off your schedule and you would make sure you would go and meet this person and spend time with them and you would even brag about it. Hey, I got to meet so-and-so and they wanted to get to know me personally better. That's amazing. And, that, and we took pictures together, uh, gave me some autographs and said, hey, here's my phone number. Call me anytime you want send me a text, and uh, it was amazing. Now, that's fantasy, right? That's fantasy. But for a minute there, we got to like, oh, man, that'd be so cool. My point is, is this. We look up and idolize people, and we sometimes think, if I can just 
meet this person or take a picture of somebody, man, that'd be the coolest thing ever. That'd be so great. God who created all things and Jesus Christ who laid down his life and purchased our salvation and the forgiveness of, of our sins with his blood and the Holy Spirit is constantly working on our behalf and we don't put that much effort into the Trinity as we would if it was a mere human being. God is offering through prayer to get to know you better. He wants a personal saving relationship with you. And here's what's fascinating about this. Jesus Christ is without a shadow of a doubt, I don't care what anybody else says, he is the most famous person if you don't look at him in a saving way. But he is the most famous person to ever existed on this earth. And yes, there are historical records and facts that show that Jesus Christ was an actual historical human being. The question is, is, is he God or not? Is he the son of God? So I'm making this point to say this. He existed and he still exists because he is God and he wants to get to know you better and you have a way to get to know him intimately. And yet we would rather put all our efforts in trying to be known by mere human beings. When you look at it through that lens, it sounds pretty sad, doesn't it? So I know I went off on another tangent there, but I, I, I don't want to underemphasize that we need to count everything a loss compared to the glorious riches of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. We cast everything off. Not, everything else is meaningless except our relationship with him. And he wants to get to know you. And here's the amazing thing. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a huge celebration. And we're going to be sitting at the Lord's table. I don't know who we're going to be sitting next to. That's Those are the things we have to focus on. Because those are real promises. And whatever is going on in our lives right now is not even worth comparing to the glory that will be in heaven for us. So we have to put our minds and set our minds on things above, like it says in Colossians. So let's go ahead to verse 7. I know that was a lot there, but let's go to verse 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Prayer isn't supposed to be thoughtless and repetitious. People distort prayer into formulas in which they falsely believe will activate God to grant our desires. Jesus is clearly saying, don't pray like that. And I know people that have the same formula that ask the same things over and over and over again. I say that because I sometimes get or am guilty of that myself. Prayer isn't about repetition. Think about it this way. If you're married, 
Think of your spouse. If you said the same things over and over and over to them, uh, they would probably lock you up in the loony bin. <laughs> but that would get old after a while. And I don't think we talk to our spouses or our children or our loved ones the same way every single time we see them. So prayer shouldn't be like that with God. Let's go ahead and jump down to verse 9. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is our heavenly Father, which is a whole other episode. But his name is holy. Yahweh is the way to pronounce it. But they in the Old Testament, in the ancient times, they couldn't even write out God's name. They couldn't even speak it for how it truly is because it's that holy. God is that holy. And we don't we don't understand that. We don't appreciate that. And we won't fully understand that until we get to heaven. But we have to treat his name as holy. That's what bothers me about when people use his name as a curse word. Him and so you know the curse words that have God in front of it. And also when people say Jesus Christ in a way that's derogatory. Isn't it amazing that those are the two major things, names that are used in cursive language? Hmm. Why isn't anybody else? That, that's something to think about. And the reason why is because it's Satan's attack on God and his holiness. That's all it is. Have you ever wondered that? Why is God always using a curse word and Jesus Christ's name in, in, in a derogatory manner? Because it's one of Satan's ways to get back at him, to, to attack his character. And I know little kids that say Jesus Christ all the time or one thing I will just say, if you say, oh, my God, uh, you should probably stop that because you're taking his name in vain. That's a popular thing. OMG, uh, you can't do that. That's that's treating his name less than what it is, and that's absolute holiness. So if you do that, you might want to check that. Even if you say uh, God and then you say dang it afterwards or darn it. You got to be really careful with that. That that's taking his name in vain, and you are treating his name in an unworthy manner, and you're treating it as less than what it is, and that's complete holiness. So, let's move on to the next part of the Lord's Prayer, verse ten. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our daily prayer should always include that God's will be done, that everything we do and say be for his glory in accordance to his perfect will. Jesus is our perfect example of this very thing. I want you to turn real quick because it's such an important piece of scripture, although it's really short, but it's in Matthew 26, 39. 
And just to give you a little bit of a background, uh, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? His soul was deeply grieved, even to the point of death. I, I just want to let, let you know, this is the night in the middle of the night where he is praying earnestly to God, asking God if there's any way he could take this cup from him. Well, what does that mean? Is there any other way I can pay the penalty of sin without the cross? Now, a lot of people will distort this and they'll they'll turn it into something worldly. But, you know, Jesus was also fully human. So he had those desires. He had that desire to not partake of that cup. But I want you to listen to what he actually says, because this is just... It literally just blows my mind to how humble he really is. So in verse 39, it says, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Now listen to this part. Yet not as I will, but as you will. I just, I just can't get over how amazing he really is and that he decided to lay down his life for us because that's the only way we'd be going to heaven. That's the only way we can be redeemed. That's the only way that our sins can be forgiven, that eternity can be ours is through his death on the cross and our faith in him. Not of our works, but complete faith in him. I, I just, that's so amazing. Let's go down to verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. This is supplication. We have to pray for our needs. And don't be, don't be fooled. God does know our needs. But here's the thing. I know the needs of my kids before they ask me for things. Yet, if they don't ask me, I'm probably not going to give it to them. Now, I'm in no way, shape, or form, number one, comparing myself to God. Number two, saying that God acts like that because God blesses us even when we don't ask. But I'm saying if we don't ask for things, then uh, we're probably not going to get them. And again, that's not always the case, but I think you see where I'm getting at. Let's go down to verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness of our sins. Me personally, I always make sure that I pray for myself whenever I sin. I ask God to forgive me. And especially I do this before I go to bed. We need to be in the habit of making prayer a constant daily prayer throughout our daily lives. But I always make sure that I pray to God before I go to bed. I don't want any sin on me if let's just say I weren't to wake up and I go to be in the presence of God. I don't want any sin on me. So I always pray that God forgives me of my sins. And I try to go through my, uh, my prayer and praying for people. And sometimes I don't do the best job of that either. And I think if we're all sober minded about things that, we're not the best at praying as well. And that, again, that comes through time. 
but making sure that we are still forgiving people that sin against us. And we need to make sure that we're asking for forgiveness when we sin. So if you sin and you recognize it right away, go to God in prayer and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Let's go now to verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, God doesn't tempt men. You can find that in James 1.3. But God does subject us to trials that expose us to Satan's attacks. A perfect example of that would be of Job. We need to be ever mindful of any such attack. And we do that by being in his word daily and in constant prayer. You can find that in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. We need to avoid temptation and sin by all means. God's promises that none of us, none of us will be tempted beyond what we are able to handle. And with that temptation, God will provide a way of escape so that we will be able to endure it. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And that is such an amazing promise. God promises that. That none of us will be tempted beyond what we are able to handle. And that he will also, with that temptation, provide a way of escape. So if God promises that, then we have no one to blame but ourselves. We don't remember scripture. We don't remember God's promises. So when you're going through a trial, you're going through a tribulation, and you don't understand it, and you feel like you can't handle it, well, guess what? God will give you a way out. He will. And again, this is why this scripture is so amazing, that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to handle. So when you're going through something, yeah, it might be uncomfortable for a while, but eventually you will escape it. But one of the things that we don't do when we're going through those trials is we don't remember scripture because maybe we're not in it that much. If you're not in scripture and you're not in scripture daily, you start to forget. Your heart starts to get a little harder. And the longer you go without reading the Bible, the more you're going to forget things. And the harder it is to pick it back up and get back in it. So you need to be in it daily. Now, if you're a person like me who hasn't been feeling well, well, that's still not an excuse because I've looked at the Bible several times and I could I could have read a little bit and I... Last couple of days, I didn't do that. So I'm not telling you something that I'm not doing myself, but maybe those are the exceptional times. But what I'm, all I'm trying to say is that when we're going through trials, we cannot say, God's tempting me. That's not what he's doing. But he does subject us to those trials to also give us perseverance. That has to deal with, with our sanctification. And remember, it says in James, so we're, when we go through trials, we're supposed to consider them with, with joy. 
So instead of thinking, oh, woe is me, and this is terrible, we need to be counting them as joy because that gives us that endurance and that patience. And by the way, we're going through trials. That's when people pray the most. They really do. But we can't just pray to God when we are going through trials and going through difficult times. And then when that's over, all right, I'm done. Thank you, God. And we'll talk to you next time when I'm going through something hard. That's not a relationship. That's a user and abuser. Those are the people that only hang around you when they need something. You don't want any part of that. And you don't like when people do that to you either. So let's not mistreat God that way either. So prayer is not so much meant for us to get all the things that we want, but we ought to pray for God's will to be done. And we need to pray for others. Jesus gives us an amazing example of his prayer for his disciples for and for us in John 17. So let's go ahead and move over to John 17. Okay, in John 17, I, I want to let you know that we're not going to read this whole entire chapter because we'll be here for about... 30 extra minutes and this might be one of those future episodes but when you have time i would highly encourage you to go back and read john 17 because jesus prayed that god would be glorified first he prayed for his disciples and for those who would believe in him through their word and that is talking about us he prayed for us while he was on earth, and he also prayed that we would be one in unity in him. So again, that's a just a quick breakdown of John 17. So let's go back over it one more time. Jesus prayed that God would be glorified. That's the first thing he prayed for. He prayed for his disciples and for those who would believe in him through their word, and that is us. He prayed for us while he was on earth. He also prayed that we would be one. And you can find that in verse 22. We need to be united in him. And that's one of the biggest things you can pray for right now is that we be one in him. Who's this we? All believers. All true believers in Jesus Christ. All those in churches. Because right now, there are a lot of churches out there that have different denominations, different creeds, different mission statements, all these other things. And what we have to understand that there's only one true church, and that's the church that Jesus Christ established on this earth. That's it. That's, that's all it is. So everything else stemmed off from man's desires because we're flawed. That's the truth. So prayer is an act of faith, worship, and obedience. At one point, man was unable to have direct access to God. People would have to go through a priest. That's back in the Old Testament. 
when the veil was torn after the death of Christ, that was an important symbol of our new gracious access to God through Jesus Christ, his son. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we pray, we approach the very throne of God. And God, who is rich in mercy, allows us to come confidently, which again blows my mind, to his throne. And not only is this amazing, but the Holy Spirit, you can find this in Romans 8, 26 and 27, but the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Remember when we, right in the beginning, talked about this? Well, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words because we don't know how we should pray. He helps us in our weakness. So the Holy Spirit is constantly, constantly working on our behalf. And he's making our prayers to him better. And that's just, I mean, when you start digging deep, like we do here on this podcast, you really start seeing the goodness of God and you start seeing just how wonderful he is and how much he does for us. And you might even say when you're listening to the podcast, and you're listening to a certain episode, and you're like, wow, God did that for me. He's doing this for me now. I, I just, I can't even believe it. It, it. And here's the thing. There are promises after promises in this Bible about God's goodness to us as believers in his son, Jesus Christ. It just, it goes beyond all comprehension. I know I say that a lot sometimes that beyond all comprehension, but it truly is. And it's just, it's a humbling thing. It's a, it's amazing grace for sure. So our desire as Christians should be to draw as close to God as possible James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Prayer is a means of drawing near to God. Think of a person you are really close to. How did you get close to that person? Well, you probably spent time with them and spoke to them. We spend time with God when we read his word. His word is living and active which means he speaks to you through his word and we speak back through prayer. When we go places, when we do things, when we go to work, whatever it is, we need to invite Jesus to come with us. I know that sounds weird to you, but everywhere you go, just a little prayer, say, God, I want to say thank you for today, and Lord, I'm going to go to this movie. I pray that you would come with me. Now, if it's a flick that is not appropriate, you probably shouldn't go into it anyway. I highly doubt that God's going to go with you in a 
one of those John Wick movies, but my point is, God, I'm I need I'm going to work today and I'm on my way to work and I just want to say thank you for this day and I appreciate all you do for me and I love you so much and Lord, please go with me to work today. I, I just I want you near me as as much as I as you can. And he will honor that. But when we go anywhere, invite him to come with us. I'm going to tell you a quick story of mine regarding prayer. And it was something I remember vividly doing on a summer day about, about desk time. So my, my job when I was a little bit younger, probably I was probably in my teens and I was supposed to go out and water the newly planted trees. So I was out there and we had the windows up and I was literally talking to God. I don't, I really wish I remember what I was saying to God, but I was praying and, and my dad likes to tell this story from his perspective and his perspective is a lot cooler than mine. Cause I don't remember what I was talking to. I was just, I was just literally just talking to him, but he hears voices, a voice, mine outside in the front yard. And he was like, what is going on? So he kind of instinctively as a father does pops up and opens front door and goes to investigate what the problem is. And he sees me with a garden hose watering the tree and he yells out, Hey, who are you talking to? And I just turn around casually, uh, talking to God. He goes, Oh, all right. Sounds good. And shuts the door. And I tell you that story because God is real to me and he is not some kind of a mythical figure. That's my imaginary friend. And I also say this to you because it takes faith to pray to God because you can't see him. You can't feel him and you can't hear him but you know he's there and he's done countless things in my life and has shown me his goodness and his, and his love and his power through his word. And I could go on and on of what he's done for me, but he is real. He's, he's not made up. He's not again, a fairy tale. He's not a myth. And you're going to hear a lot of people telling you that especially in your in your circles that if you have people that don't believe and you become a believer you're going to have people in your circle telling you that you're you really believed in God he's like the easter bunny he's like santa claus you know he doesn't even exist so i was praying very loudly and like i said i wasn't i wasn't praying using the thou's and shalls and all those things and i as a funny little joke i when people pray, it's the only time in history where people in modern day and age use the old archaic language like thou and shalls. And it's just funny we do that when we pray. But uh, prayer is such a vital thing. And we overcomplicate it. And not only do we overcomplicate it, but we sometimes simplify it too much. 
And we have to understand who we're talking to. And we're talking to God Almighty himself. So we have to, we have to be in constant prayer. We ought to be. And you've heard me say this like two or three times so far in this, but I can tell you personally that praying has spiritually benefited me beyond words. I have been through really great uplifting times and I also have been through the darkest of valleys. And I can tell you that by his word and prayer, he saw me through it all. He has answered prayers for me, my family and friends in ways that I can only describe as divine. My prayer for myself lately has been that God's will be done, that God will sanctify me and can conform me into the image of his son's likeness. That has been my main prayer lately. That I would be obedient to his commands and to his word that I would glorify him in all that I say and do. And all I want to do is be obedient to him and to do his will. That's honestly, that's where I'm at. My prayer life can still improve by all means. Trust me on that. But the more I'm in, in his word and seeking his will, my prayer life has shifted from being all about me and my wants to what God wills and what he desires. So, being in prayer, being in scripture, go hand in hand. Remember Colossians 3.16. What does it say? It says we need to let the word of Christ richly dwell within us. So richly, abundantly. So that's why we have to be in the word daily. We need to be constantly in prayer. And I can't emphasize that enough. Matter of fact, that's that's God's will. And 1 Thessalonians 5.17. So constantly in prayer, constantly in the word. And seeking after his desires and his will. I mean, you're on your way. So with that being said, I appreciate everybody listening today. Very grateful to be back here. Although, like I said, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, but uh, God's too important to me not to do this. And this isn't for the views, isn't, isn't for the followers. All I'm trying to do is teach people God's word, who God is, who Jesus Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, what they promise the eternal life that's found in Christ and Christ alone. And that heaven will be our destination if we turn to Christ as our only means of salvation. So thank you for joining me today. Once again, as we wrap up the show, we're going to go ahead and say a quick prayer. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to Living Parables Truth at gmail.com or any questions you have or comments or we have a facebook account facebook page facebook group the living parables so you can look us up there with that being said i really appreciate you all and let's go ahead and pray father in heaven what a wonderful gift 
And what a wonderful promise it is to be able to come to you directly, to have complete access to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I can't comprehend that. And the fact that man was at one point not able to come to you. And I'm just so grateful for that. Because now we have direct access to you. Father, I pray that you be with everybody that's listening. And I pray that you would bless those who listen. That they would not hear me, that they would hear you. That they would search the scriptures. That they would let the word of Christ richly dwell within them that they would be constantly in prayer and constantly seeking after your will. Thank you, Lord, for another day of life. You're so gracious and wonderful to us. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.